This world that we live in, it's a tough world. It's full of a lot of joy. You hear the joyful sounds of all the little kids out there. And boy, is it a world full of grief and turmoil and hardship. So I call you this morning, no matter what your hardships are right now, and I know, I know a lot of your stories. Many of you have very real hardships right now. Our work can be so very, very wearying, tiring. And we often don't have the end goal in mind. We're going to read about a man who did have the end goal in mind. So if you please turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua 14. Okay, like I was saying, life is full of a lot of joy, a lot of encouraging things, and life is full of hardship, of course, right? Didn't you know that's what you signed up for when you came into the world? As some old-timers would say it, life is short and hard at best. But you keep your faith in Christ. You keep your faith in Christ, and at the end of your days, there is an inheritance waiting for you. What is that inheritance? It's Christ. At the end, you get that pearl of great price. You get Jesus forever, for eternity in heaven. Don't ever lose sight of the goal. It's easy for us to get bogged down in the lives we're going back to after this, and uh, a lot of details that bring us down. To encourage us in the work, we're going to look at one such faithful man who had the end goal in mind. Quite an example to us. In Joshua 14, his name is Caleb. Yes, I, I see that hand. Caleb was a rare man. The Proverbs say, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Well, Moses and Joshua found one, and that was Caleb. So let's read Joshua 14. If you please stand, again, for the reading of God's Word to honor it. And kiddos, I want you to tell me, as I read, you pay attention, you tell me what Caleb got. Okay? Ready? Joshua 14, this is the word of the Lord. Now these are the territories which the sons of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the households of the tribes of the sons of Israel apportioned to them for an inheritance by the lot of their inheritance as the Lord commanded through Moses for the nine tribes and the half tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half tribe beyond the Jordan but he did not give an inheritance to the Levites among them. For the sons of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they did not give a portion to the Levites in the land except cities to live in, with their pasture lands for their livestock and for their property. Thus the sons of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they divided the land. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, you know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. 
Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses, and when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now, for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirith Arba, for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, Then the land had rest from war. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. When God brought the Israelites into Canaan, Joshua and Israel, the people, they absolutely destroyed the other peoples that were there. Why? Because Joshua was so awesome, right? He's such a man. No, the Lord was fighting for them. And Caleb says a few times in this chapter, he had obeyed God fully. All the tribes of Israel got an inheritance. They got land. Caleb, this one man, kids, what did he get? Are you paying attention? You zoned out, didn't you? Caleb, this one man, got a particular blessing, a particular land inheritance of his own because he followed the Lord God fully. Now, a little context. Remember, before this, Moses had sent spies into the land of Canaan. Let us know what the land is like. Describe it to us. Describe the people. And they came back. And they said, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it flows with milk and honey. It is the promised land. Just one problem. And it's not a little problem. There are giants there. There are giants there. Fortified cities, so forget about it. Let's not go up there. That was the attitude of most of the spies. That's probably our attitude a lot of days, right? Is it even worth it to even get out of bed today? There's a lot of trouble out there. Probably not. There's trouble waiting for me out there. I mean, do you know what I have to deal with on a daily basis? It's not pretty. Well, not to minimize your struggles, I do know you have struggles. I do know you have pain and grief. But just, comparisons are odious, right? But just to compare, you do not go up, you do not need to go up and make literal war with giants. 
None of us has that to do after this. So actually, I don't want to be I don't want to beat up on the unfaithful spies too bad. I've I've sat in judgment on them until I read it through like for the tenth time as I was writing this. I mean, I didn't even play high school basketball or football, right? I, I wouldn't if I would have gone out there, I probably would have got smashed. So I played soccer. There's some soccer players here. Anyway, the spies, they were afraid. It's understandable. But yet they were unfaithful. God still held them accountable. It was not the attitude Moses and the rest of Israel needed to hear. And Caleb's response, Joshua's response, they were faithful. So back in Numbers, hear this verse. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Caleb knew God's promise. He knew it was theirs. Caleb is the man you want to lead. He feared God. Not these other guys, not these other turkeys. Listen to this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. They're too strong for us. So they gave out a bad report to the sons of Israel about the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. You know, so much of life really is how you look at it. It really is a matter of perspective. The unfaithful spies, what they were saying, it wasn't altogether untrue. There were giants and fortified cities up there, and they thought it was a lost cause. And we lose hope like that in our lives, don't we? When we forget what? When we forget that the battle belongs to the Lord. God had already promised the land to them. It was known as the promised land. They lost sight of that. Not Caleb, though. Caleb believed that God would do it. And so he followed the Lord how? Fully. Caleb, so Caleb was promised the land. In Deuteronomy 1, the Lord heard the sound of your words. He was angry, took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it. And to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry with me also on your account, saying, not even you shall enter there, Moses. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones who you said would become a prey, and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good or evil shall enter there. 
and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn around and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And so when we come to our passage here, Caleb, he demands the land. It was promised to him. He doesn't say, hey, let's have a vote. Let's, uh, let's get a committee together. He says, give me this land. But Caleb also didn't retire and become disgusting either. How old was he? Eighty-five. Eighty-five years old. This last week, Almost simultaneously, I found out that maybe Belcher's on the way, so pray for us. Maybe your blood pressure decreased this last week. Mine went up this last week. But I simultaneously found out that my grandfather died, my last surviving grandparent. He was 87 years old. He was a Korean veteran. He was a farmer. He was a railroader. Hard-working man. I'd go help him on his farm, and he'd work. He'd still work circles around me. Yell at me for being a city boy, not knowing how to work the equipment right, too. He was 87, and he was not as strong at 87 as he was at 40. I'll say that. He was a hard-working man, but let's say he did not follow the Lord God fully. Not so with Caleb. 85 years old. Great-grandpa, great-great-grandpa age, maybe. And he is just as ready to go fight a battle with giants as he was at the age of 40. Some of us, by comparison, sometimes we want to give up on our work before we even start it, right? Oh, I have so much to do. And instead of doing just some of the work, we do none of it. School projects, any procrastinators in here? Are there any, there'll probably be fewer hands, anyone who's not a procrastinator in here. Caleb, Caleb isn't just like this overnight. He doesn't slough off for 45, 60, 70 years, and suddenly he's ready to go to war at 85 There is a reason he continued to work with his hands for 45 years after he was already 40. Think about the work out there in the wilderness. It had to be tough. All the complaining going on. So Caleb went up there to work. He went up there to fight, to fight giants and to win against them. Do you think the Giants got the memo that it's Caleb's land? You know, this is my land. I wonder if anyone let them know. Imagine, you know, some little kids up here going up to, I don't know, a college football team. Hey, you're standing on our field. This is our turf. Get out of here. Caleb was a man. He brought back the good and appropriate report to Moses, even when the rest of the men were bringing a bad report. He didn't fear the men. He didn't go along with the crowd. He went quite against the grain, and he feared God. Caleb had a theology of work. We are to work, kids, we are to work for how many days out of the week? 
Six. I thought I heard ten, five, and six. We are to work for six days, and then we have a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. We need to have a right theology of work. Work is a good thing. I'll say that again here in a little bit. Owning property is also a good thing. We were made to go out and to subdue the earth, to rule it. We were made to build civilizations. There's a promise at the end of Joshua, a few chapters coming up. So the Lord gave Israel, just hear this promise. Hear how good God is. Don't doubt, don't doubt God. Trust Him. Hear this promise. So the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they possessed it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. I'm getting some nods out there. That's encouraging to me. God is good. Isn't that sweet? We need to have a right theology of work. Men, women, children. My kids are convinced that I should have summer break right along with them. You know. One, one kid in particular is just every Sunday night, Daddy, do you have to go back to work tomorrow? Huh. And then the other kid, either he doesn't like me, or he's, too, or he's too young to not understand, I'll say, Daddy, are you going back to work tomorrow? Yes, I'm going to work. Yay! It's like, oh, man. You've got to stop telling me that, Titus. That's discouraging. We need to have right theology of work. I will not have a summer break. If I did, I would probably destroy myself. Most of us don't do well with free time, Right? Most of us do well with structure because we were made for work. We were made for hard work. It's good for us. We weren't made for the weekend. The Sabbath was given us as a rest. We were made to work. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Because take warning, if you're unfaithful to do your work, it's no slight thing. We pretend that we can be idle with our time. Just a little mindless browsing. How often does that turn out for God's glory? And you look at the logical conclusion of what your idleness will lead to. I can read about two dozen passages right now, not just from the Proverbs, from all the scriptures about idleness and laziness. There's a very famous example of what failing to do your work looks like and the consequences. I'm not going to read the whole passage. You can later today for extra credit. King David, at the time when kings go out to war, he stayed back. And David gave himself to great, great sin. Terrible sin. And his sin compounded one on top of the other on top of the other. So remember, we were made to work. There will be work in heaven. And that's good. Jesus said, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. 
This was so good for me to learn this. When I was younger. So when you put that work down, when you give yourself a little me time, does it honor God? Are you faithful or are you sinful? Remember the example of Caleb. Caleb said, now then give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. Caleb is not afraid to demand this land. The Lord had already said it would be his, so Caleb, he doesn't hem and haw. Can you um, maybe consider possibly giving me the land? I'll take out a mortgage for it. No, give it to me. It's mine. That's how a confident man speaks. He doesn't shrink back. He doesn't doubt. He knows what is his. Now, how eager do you think Caleb was to claim his inheritance? Have you ever been really anxious for something? Like birthday cake. You know, you can picture a two-year-old. They've already had the first birthday, didn't quite know what was going on. By that second birthday, they know what that cake means. And everyone else is gathered around, you got fire on candles, presents are coming, ice cream. There's sugar and more sugar. You think that two-year-old is anxious for that cake? What about you older kids, you young men and women? You're anxious for summer break, right? This was a really weird year. I was going to say, you guys have been on summer break for months. But Jess said that wasn't true. Said I'd, said I'd have hurt feelings out there saying that. Anyone anxious for school to start again? Not a lot of applause there. Just can't wait for the classroom. Well, let's fast forward. Let's say you're an adult, and let's say you have land waiting for you. You know the land's going to be yours. You know, a typical land contract, about 45 days, I'd say. Not 45 days you got to wait. Not 45 weeks or even 45 months but waiting 45 years. You have waited. Tell me, how ready would Caleb be to take possession of that land? And then this wasn't just any land. It wasn't a difficult wilderness that was raw and needed to be cultivated. It was already inhabited. There were already cities built. The land flowed with milk and honey. This land has all the goods. Milk and honey, yeah, all the goods. Caleb brought back a good report again. He and Joshua were not afraid of the people. They feared God. Sure, they knew there were giants there. So what? They trusted God. Caleb and Joshua knew that God could and that he would deliver the land into their hands. And the Lord brought the victory, all those promises God gave to them. They were going to claim the land by their own strength. In fact, some of the rebellious people tried that. When you fight in your own strength, what happens? They got their heinies beat. So it is often when we fight against our own sin. You trust in your own strength against sin. You fight your flesh with your flesh. Your flesh is going to win either way. The battle belongs to the Lord. 
We have victory over our sins by the power of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have victory. Little tidbit here. Kenizzite says, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him. What do you guess that's all about? Kenizzite. I just assume, I don't know, ancestor, Keniz, Kenaz, or something. As I read Henry and Calvin, they didn't think so. Here's a little Puritan tidbit for you. Just to show that every word of God is profitable for us. They said Kenizzite. It's probably reminiscent of some incredible military victory he had. Like in Rome, you had Africanus and Germanicus, probably a people that Caleb destroyed. He was such a, he was such a man. He was also very persuasive. So what does he do? He wants that land. It's his by promise. He's wise. He calls the people. He calls the leaders. He gathers them. And they all have respect for him. He's their trophy man. He had worked. Caleb had fought faithfully week after week, decade after decade. Caleb had been given the land, and he had the authority to divide it however he wanted. You shall take one leader of every tribe to apportion the land for an inheritance. These are the names of the men of the tribe of... Yeah, you were paying attention. That's encouraging. How awesome. Caleb was of the tribe of Judah. Yeah, he was. It's awesome. And so Caleb had the authority to divide up the land. He was still wise. He appealed to them. He gathered the leaders together. Just so we're all on the same page here, this is mine. Caleb had fully trusted that God would do this, that would give him the land. He didn't doubt. You probably know how the letter of James begins. If you don't, let me read a few verses. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously, without reproach, it will be given him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The spies who brought the bad report, double-minded and unstable men. And how often we're like that. Praying in our fight against our sins and temptations and being double-minded, doubting that God actually can deliver you from that sin and actually will deliver you from that sin. Don't doubt God's power in your life. It was a helpful exhortation recently. Don't doubt God's power. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Joseph. Helpful. That sin you have, that constant doubt you have, God can and will deliver you from that. Ask God, don't doubt, believe that He will do it, He will. And you say, ah, but I have asked God. 
I've been down this road before. And I believed. And then, well, this, this happened. Ah, that's doubting. Ask and believe that God will do it. Especially you young folks. Caleb and Joshua followed and trusted God fully. When everyone else doubted, those other spies made the hearts of the people melt. Those unfaithful, the many, many who did not trust God, what happened to them? They all died out in the wilderness. They did not enter into the promised land. Not so for God's faithful servants. Caleb trusted God fully. He got the full blessing. He got the inheritance that was promised him. And here's where we'll finish this morning, dear friends. You see others around you deserting God. You're tempted to. You remain faithful to God, knowing that He is faithful to you. He will never leave you. He would never forsake you. Let's just say that Caleb chose the road less traveled. He chose the particular land that was most difficult to conquer. He's well beyond retirement years, and there are still giants in his inheritance. He knew God would give it to him, and God did. And yet he still doesn't presume. There's an important word in there. He says, perhaps the Lord will give it to me. That's a humble man. That's a useful man. Perhaps God will give it to me. Either way, he trusts, he has faith in the Lord of hosts. The work that we have to do, men, women, and children, we all love doing the work that we're good at, right? Makes us feel good. We got to be faithful to do the work that we should be doing. You need to do the work that God has called you to. Many directives from the Lord here to love God. Obey God, love your neighbor, honor your father and your mother, children. Honor them. Love God's word as sweeter than honey. Love your wife, submit to your husband, love your children. We're all busy with all kinds of things, but today and tomorrow and this week, what must you be doing? And we're doing work right here. We're worshiping God together. We're blessing the Lord and we're encouraging the saints. That's good work. As you go from here, as you wake up tomorrow, that last verse, what's the end result when we follow the Lord God fully? What happens to our land? Then the land had rest from war. Isn't that good? Isn't that what we want? Trust God. He is faithful. Be faithful with the work that God has given you to do. Let's pray.